Get informed, get inspired, and get connected. CannabisRadio.com presents NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. The National Cannabis Industry Association is the only national trade organization representing the businesses of the legal cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice covers a range of topics, including the rapidly evolving political and policy changes that affect our industry, news and events of importance to cannabis professionals, and features on companies, individuals, and campaigns at the cutting edge of the cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice begins now. Hello, thanks for tuning in to another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore, and I'm the Deputy Director of Communications at the National Cannabis Industry Association. We have many, many wonderful members of NCIA, including today's guest, David Viancourt. He's CEO of the GMP Collective. David and his team at that company bring decades of pharmaceutical and food industry best practices to cannabis and hemp. He's also the chair this year of NCIA's Facilities Design Committee. Welcome to the show, David. Hey, good to see you and be back, Bethany. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, we're making our way through the year here, and I know you've been on the show before. Uh, you've, you've published some blogs uh, through the committee and through your company with NCIA, but for listeners that have not had a chance to get to know more about you. Let's start with your background and your experience and some of the work that you did before bringing it to cannabis and hemp. Yeah, so I've got a master's of science and I spent um, most of my days pre-cannabis in quality testing labs, um, both doing analytical testing, uh, you know, yeah, analytical testing, as well as working on project management where we oversaw quality assurance plans for large government projects, such as the BP oil spill assessment down in New Orleans, uh, where we ensured that, you know, there were standard reproducible ways to evaluate the damage to the entire ecosystem through, you know, sample, field sampling all the way to the testing results and how those are summarized and reported. So the quality world, the data world, um, is essentially where I come from. Excellent. Wow. Those are some real world examples there for sure that, that, you know, not just impact data, but impact people, I think. Yes, that's a good way to put it. It was, yeah, that, that BP oil project was quite incredible and insightful. Wow. Yeah. So coming from that industry, um, the cannabis industry and the hemp industry, uh, highly regulated, very complicated, but um, with somebody who's comfortable with data, seems like you'd be all right there. So tell us the story of how and why you decided to move into the cannabis industry space. Yeah, I think curiosity and passion to begin with. And, you know, to your point of, you know, the highly regulated uh, component, I like to argue that it's regulated for a lot of you know, maybe not the best reasons or in terms of how it's been regulated doesn't address real some things that matter, right? And, you know, it's focused on diversion and, you know, ensuring that it, you know, miners aren't getting a hold of it, that things aren't getting out of, out of state lines, which is all important, but we don't have anything over quality and how our organization is actually operating day to day to ensure that our products are safe. That's, that's just been a major miss in the state marketplace, especially with, you know, standard operating procedures that aren't, uh, you're required to submit them for a license, 
but that's based on theory. We sit down in a room and think about what could could actually be reality, and then reality happens, and we're not required to update them, which really hurts businesses more than just you know the uh, regulation side in general. So it's a huge missed opportunity that um, I think businesses can benefit from, but the regulations steer them in the wrong direction, unfortunately. Gosh, yeah, I've said it a million times, we're regulated more heavily than plutonium or radioactive substances sometimes. And sometimes the regulations make sense, but sometimes they just seem a little bit out there or like they're an overreach. Um, So trying to understand the reality uh, versus versus the regulations, versus your plan, as you made a point to, the SOPs that you envisioned when you applied for your license, versus how you actually have to run your business once you get that business going, and and the reality becomes part of the conversation. Is that right? Yeah, nope, exactly. And that's where I think a lot of times, when I go and work with clients, I'm like, I'm sorry, you know, it's not your fault. The states have set you up for this. They've forced you to think this way, but... this doesn't, you know, how does this help your business? And like, well, it's not there. These SOPs just sit on the shelf and collect dust and nobody refers to them. Like, let's make these work for you. And that's, yeah, that's a whole can of worms. Maybe we'll get into a bit. It is absolutely. So let's fast forward to present day here. Um, you've been working with the GMP collective, which you founded for a while now, and you're very involved in NCI's committee, the NCIA facilities design committee specifically. What's going on with the company this year? And, and what, what's, what's your world looking like here as we round out toward the end of 2021, a very interesting year? Yeah, um, without getting too much anxiety from that question of what's my role like day to day of uh, <laughs> looking at my schedule in between fitting in podcasts with awesome people like yourself, um, working with NCIA and, you know, we're launching this is our third year of the facility design committee and I'm you know excited to have been a part of it since day one so, you know, our first month's meeting was just uh, about a week ago and so getting, you know, that coordinated with, you know, we've got a dozen and a half volunteers to basically growing, um, working with, you know, managing how to bring in the best consultants that, you know, blow me out of the water in terms of, you know, their, their expertise and knowledge from applicable industries, uh, transferring that passion to cannabis and, uh, working with standards organizations, NCIA, you know, organizations like NCIA and, um, you know, regulators, um, I'm working with the state of Colorado, as well as a couple of other places, um, chairing, you know, policy and rulemaking committees. So again, trying to get these regulations to make more sense and work better for our businesses while ensuring public health and safety. Absolutely. We'll definitely dive more into some, some of these standards as well, when we come back from the first commercial break, but It's interesting to hear, you know, of course, you work in Colorado, and of course, the cannabis industry is still very state by state. Uh, Every state's its own little unique world. Um, Sometimes states are wise enough to look at what a previous state like Colorado or Massachusetts did and say, hey, that looks good. Let's take that and apply it to our state. But sometimes they go an entirely different direction. So being part of these processes, like in Colorado, are you involved in these rulemaking processes in any other states as well, some of these newer emerging markets? 
So right now, not to date, um, I've been doing, trying to focus our attention on, you know, kind of future proofing in terms of, say, the United States as, you know, we look mm -hmm. at legalization, but Colorado is where I've been the most active in the rulemaking, but we've got colleagues that are doing that um, in Maryland, uh, working with Florida, but a lot of those other states don't have a, an active process. So um, for, for improving the regulations, so um, long mm -hmm. way to say that, Colorado is where we've been able to make the most traction in terms of helping the industry improve on what exists. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, I think about um, I'm from Maryland, uh, which is very slow going out there. Um, it's still medical only, still very, very few licenses as well. Very limited um, uh, options for health conditions that would qualify you for medical uh, you know, versus some of these other states that just go right for the adult use, you know, they're all in skipping the medical, <laughs> um, right. you know, it's, it's, it's a variety of attitudes and approaches, uh, depending on the state for sure. And I think Oklahoma is a super interesting one to look at as well, because it absolutely has its own framework completely different from other states as well are you familiar with that state's differences oh yeah just when we thought we had you know seen the wild wild west in, in the west um <laughs> oklahoma just blows that concept out of the water i yeah i think there's no shortage of and what is there like seven thousand licenses i was talking with just a few colleagues there uh that i met at a conference at the cannabis conference a few weeks ago and i mean it's just all over the map there. There's so many licenses and the marketplace is, is quite unique to see how it's going to play out. Uh, it will be really interesting to say the least. Yeah, yeah, you betcha. Um, and for listeners that are interested in the concept of future proofing, um, especially, especially the facilities design, especially if you're an NCIA member, you have access to previous webinars um, that are uh, that our committees and, and that NCIA members contribute toward about facilities design planning uh, from April of earlier this year. You can go on to connect or onto our website and check out a webinar that was produced before. Really good information, really good people. Um, and there's also some great blogs across several committees, actually. The Cannabis Manufacturing Committee uh, is also looking at that future-proofing concept as well, um, whether it's facilities or processes. It's pretty fascinating as, as well. I love that we're at the stage in the cannabis industry to start planning for the future, in addition to that sort of urgent feeling of just trying to keep up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Indeed, it, there's uh, an overwhelmingly in a good way amount of information and I even appreciate just hearing that reminder, Bethany, because there's such good content that's been out there on whether it's through connect the webinars and on the blog post that, you know, do your homework, there's great resources out there to say you have to figure it out alone. Um, we've developed so much content through our, you know, um, committees that uh, NCA you know, creates a framework for us. So it's, it's been great. Yeah, yeah. And, and quick plug, obviously, for our next in-person conference before we take a commercial break, our seventh annual Cannabis Business Summit is going to happen after over a year and a half of, of not being able to host conferences. So head to CannabisBusinessSummit.com to start checking out those details for December 15th, 16th, and 17th 
in San Francisco. And on that note, let's take our first commercial break and come back and chat more with David Vincourt of the GMP Collective about some standards. We love standards and we like acronyms too, so stay <laughs> tuned. We'll be right back. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Dazed and Infused. Join sugar industry expert Latham Woodward for a happier hour each week for a lively and often hilarious discussion on the infusion of cannabis into food, beverages, and life. Explore exciting new culinary landscape trends with fascinating friends and guests who are leading the industry into the uncharted mainstream. Discover curated menus, enhanced cocktails, and live tastings. Life's a little sweeter here on Dazed and Infused. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice, only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio, chatting with David Viancourt from the GMP Collective. And as we mentioned, he's also very active on NCIA's committees, the National Cannabis Industry Association. Uh, we have 14 industry sector committees made up of our brilliant, passionate members. And uh, David is, is the chair of our facilities design committee. So let's dive into standards and develop standards. Uh, we've talked a bit about this, of course. Uh, we had Darwin Millard uh, on the show recently as well, who kind of gave us the, the landscape of ASTM. He's very involved in ASTM. Um, we're just starting to cover the surface. Let's take a deeper dive into the relationship between ASTM standards and all this work going on in the cannabis industry to align them. Um, and ASTM is a federally recognized organization. Am I right? Yeah, yes, Bethany. So it's a good way to put it. Essentially, um, you know, kind of give some of the kind of details without going too technical on, on our uh, listeners, right? Um, you know, ASTM International is a standards development organization, and there's a very specific framework, a global framework, actually, for what the heck that means. And, you know, it requires certain elements of, you know, transparency, how voting works, memberships being, and voting being balanced to ensure that there's enough balanced stakeholder interest and feedback to make these standards truly consensus in nature, which is how ASTM works and representative for the industry. And what that enables um, on the U.S. side, um, right, there's essentially about 30 years of history of ASTM standards. Well, actually, there's 120 years of ASTM history because that's how old they are, almost 125 years. But specifically, there were executive orders and laws in the 90s that really formalized what you're talking about. And that's resulted in over 2,500 standards, ASTM standards being referenced in the code of federal regulations. So federal code, right? And of course, that's not cannabis. That's, you know, part of you know, almost 90 industries, I believe, that are covered, a lot of it being medical devices, where there's, I think, uh, nearly over 400, if not 500 standards that are just referenced that the FDA uses in terms of how to oversee and ensure that our medical devices are safe is, is a perfect example. Wow, medical device sales are apparently a huge industry. Um, you know, I get on LinkedIn and like, I get friend requests from 
a, a medical device salesperson <laughs> probably on a weekly basis. So there's a lot going on out there. There's a huge uh, need and population for medical devices. I can I can kind of start to see how the cannabis industry, which isn't devices necessarily, but it is products that helps people's well-being, mm-hmm. uh, is, is starting to move into that space. Um, and you know, I always support our own industry getting ahead of the curve. Um, you know, not just doing the bare minimum, but preparing truly for federal legalization before the FDA, quote unquote, opens the door and looks around, right? Um, so this work, I think, is an example of that kind of, well, future proofing. And, and even though we're still s- sorting things out here on a state by state model here in the US, I, I think this is part of the future proofing energy that we're working toward, yeah? Yes. So, you know, the state, the state by state example is perfect, right? And let's think about this in terms of, you know, you travel internationally or anybody that's done business internationally. That's what it's like being in the cannabis industry right now, right? You, you go to Missouri and you've got, what's a universal symbol look like? Oh, your universal symbols like that. Oh, so I have to put that, I have to go to my packaging company and have them design this label. You know, I, I'm, say you're a multi-state operator. You have to play by so many different rules. It's essentially a different business in every state and forget trying to, you know, imagine interoperability or, you know, interstate commerce between those. It's that's, that's what we deal with on a, you know, international level. And we're just making it so complicated Um, back to, you know, states kind of taking their own approach because nobody's really defined here's how it's done. Right. And so let's, let's future proof, let's get ahead of the curve and, you know, thinking about the FDA and federal legalization, we know it's coming, right? And whether or not it's the TTB, FDA, you know, that's separate conversation for a separate day. But how are, how are we going to be regulated? What standards are we going to have to, um, you know, uh, adhere to? And we can either say, well, it's going to, you know, be a major bummer when this, when, you know, XYZ entity says, you know, we must do it ABC. Um, we tried to give our input, but we got what we got versus is there a framework where we can actually write the playbook and have that considered and you know adopted? And that's where I come back to, you know, ASTM and standards development organizations in general. Again, very specifically recognized SDOs that have uh, you know clear framework that they meet, and I recognize we can come together and write those standards. There's nothing stopping anybody. It's open to everybody. Literally, it's an open process. So show up, write a standard, and you know bring it through the fund balloting process. And that will enable us to show the FDA or whoever's going to regulate us, hey, we've developed this framework so you don't have to, because that's one of the biggest challenges. And I think, you know, we as industry really want to have our our name on that. Let's do it. Yeah, I think that makes sense. So the idea being, if, if we go through this process, if we vet our standards alongside the ASTM going through their democratic, for lack of a better phrase, process, Mm-hmm. Um, the FDA will appreciate this about us. They'll, 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 they'll say, oh, thanks. You made our jobs easier <laughs> or what? Yeah. So, you know, I, you know, looking back to, as I mentioned earlier, that the 2,500 standards that are referenced in, co- in code, um, there's a, basically a 1995 
was, it was an executive order and it was through, there was a, both an executive order and uh, I believe it's like public law through Congress. I'm, I'm not the lawyer or the uh, pol- political um, science expert. I was just a scientist by education. So, <laughs> so forgive me on this, but you know, public law 104-113 is one and it ties back to a transportation act that essentially um, get, tells the executive branches, you know, again, all these agencies that when consensus standards exist or you know SDOs exist and provide for industry you know best practices that they are responsible to look at those standards and consider them for adoption instead of spending you know public resources trying to come up with their own framework so basically there's precedent there there's you know examples of use back to the fda uses this uh you know for a lot of medical devices it's you know there's food there's a framework for food and dietary supplements uh for example american herbal products association has the herbs of commerce um recognized for how to identify botanical um drugs you know for dietary purposes so there's a real established framework that's right here in front of our noses and back to the consensus democratic process. What that literally means is Bethany, you show up from your organization. I wrote this standard on, uh, you know, labeling packaging and labeling what it should look like and you vote negative. Well, until I sit down with you and we work through your, your technical negative of what, you know, you don't like and what needs to change and we get that resolved, it doesn't see the light of day as a standard. So it's a really strong process. And, you know, maybe back to one other thing I'll add kind of back to your question of, you know, where else does this exist? You know, petroleum, for example, a lot of the standards around how to, you know, what's the quality of petroleum, you know, different raw materials and reagents and the processes, there's not, there's almost no oversight by the federal government because they follow, there's, you know, huge active membership at ASTM with committees that, drive those standards and because it's balanced you know the government is there weighing in on them and ensuring the process is is you know that all stakeholders are being considered and they're allowed to just work through that third-party framework instead of having to worry about the regulatory burden so we have the framework there let's use it wow i mean it sounds very thorough um if not perhaps a fault (laughs) (laughs) if not perhaps a tedious process but very thorough um we're going to have to go to our commercial break in a second here, but, you know, I'm really excited about what next steps are after federal legalization, whenever that happens. Um, and the global markets coming into play, that's just mind blowing to think about um, just looking back a few years ago into how far we've come. And, you know, here in the United States, let's look to the North of us. Let's look to the South of us. Canada and Mexico are currently nipping at our heels, if not surpassing us in legalization efforts just in the last year or two. Mm-hmm. I, it's, it's pretty mind-blowing. So I wonder if you could quickly share how you see these ASTM standards playing into that in the future. Yeah, so we have 30 countries represented at ASTM D- Cannab- uh, Committee D37 um, on cannabis, um, and you know Canada is a very active one as well. And to your point, you know, let's think about back to our states and our programs. If we have these standards in place, that's going to help protect us in terms of what's acceptable quality of products when we have a global marketplace, and how do we, you know, basically ensure that we're meeting those standards so that we don't just get surprised by an influx of international products, whether it's U.S., Canada, or, you know, China, Colombia, et cetera, where cost-wise, 
we're going to get destroyed. So we need to protect ourselves and have standards for, for trade and commerce, which is one of the key benefits of ASTM standards provides to the industry. Yeah, you betcha. I mean, interstate commerce just in the U.S. is one issue. Let's <laughs> think about the global market. Oh, my. Uh-huh. All right. Let's take our last commercial break and then come back and wrap up our chat with David from the GMP Collective. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet take-anywhere treat. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice, only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio, and we're chatting with David Viancourt from the GMP Collective, truly continuing a longer conversation happening in our industry about developing standards and preparing for federal legalization and future-proofing our industry. So as we are a new industry, um, you know, there's a little bit of catch up. I think we're playing here and developing standards. You know, marijuana has been around for a long, long, long time, but the formal industry portion of this pretty new just in the last few years. So I kind of have a ethereal question about, are we right on time here to wrap our arms around these these big boy professional standards as an industry, or are we, you know, kind of playing catch up a bit? You know, I think it's both. And the reason why I'd say that is, you know, like you mentioned, and I'm sure we talk about it a lot. A lot of folks are coming with the idea that, you know, the cannabis industry is dog years, right? And things are moving <laughs> so darn fast, but yep. we're still just, as you said, really young. So in terms of like maturity, we're right on time. Federal legalizations, you know, six months to five years out is my prediction. So we have mm-hmm. time to, you know, develop this, this kind of laborious, but important process. So we're not behind, you know, and, and, but of course, in certain ways we are, but it's just based on where we're at as an industry, where the data has been and how we've evolved and, you know, it takes time to learn and share information. So yeah, long way to say, I think we're right on time. Well, and I appreciate NCIA members that are hustling on this, like our, our committees. And I believe this is your third year on the facilities design committee at NCIA. What, what, else is, uh, what else is going on with the committee this year? Just to talk about your work with your fellow industry peers. Yeah. So, you know, like you said, yeah, it's our third year. Um, my third year and the committee's third year. We're, you know, we're, we're figuring things out too, right? We, we had no idea what we were doing when we started the first year. And you know, thanks to NCA for providing this framework, it's really grown. And now we're doing more collaboration and cross-collaboration, like, you know, the Cannabis Manufacturing Committee, you know, there's a science advisory committee and helping to say, all right, here's all the expertise we've got at FTC. It relates and has implications with all these other groups too. So we're, we're branching out and, you know, developing more content, like best practice guides to, again, be that resource, whether it's the blog post or NCI connect that folks can be like, oh, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Here's, you know, here's considerations when 
you know, developing, deciding between an indoor and an outdoor grow, um, you know, et cetera. Here's pathogen issues, here's sanitation design issues. Um, just trying to be that resource so that industry and, you know, new and existing businesses can have a place to look and figure out where to get their heads at to, to begin and, you know, make smart decisions. Sure, absolutely. Man, you said five, five or six years. Do you remember when we all thought federal legalization would happen by 2020? And right. um, not, not so much, huh? No, <laughs> Canada just blew us out of the water there, right? Yeah, totally. Well, I'm looking forward to um, seeing what else the committees are putting together. And you're absolutely right. It, it does cross over multiple committees. I mean, we're, we're talking sustainability, uh, environmental sustainability, energy sustainability, air quality, uh, so many different uh, processes and angles to take when you're looking at developing standards in the industry. I, I think somebody once said uh, several years ago that even within our industry, there's like a hundred smaller industries within our industry. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, you can go from, you know, the medical route, the the sustainability route, the engineering route, the electrical route, there, there's a lot of moving parts. Yep. Um, so is, is there anything on the horizon that you're working on uh, specifically next that you can share with us or just wait and see? Yeah, well, you know, one thing actually to that point that we just talked about that, uh, yeah, we can see for a, you know, blog post and uh, hopefully a nice interview with you, Bethany, with some of the experts on our committee is, yeah, tying all those pieces together. So just think about facility design, you need the lighting engineers, you need your HVAC, you need your, you know, your, your water management systems, you need all of that, you know, the architects and engineers and the MEP folks and all these other subject matter experts have to come together because when the when you turn the switch on, it all needs to work, right? The plants need to grow, the humidity levels need to be controlled, you have to have enough power, you have to have you know cleanliness considerations. Those are all different, you know, subject matter expert hats and they need to come together. If not, you've got a disjointed, disastrous system that you are stuck maintaining. And um, so trying to show how those all work together on the planning side is one of the next things we'll have coming out more information on. Sure, sure. And and that's not even to mention the human engineering side of all this people and the human resources. So, hey, we have a human resources committee too. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) getting all the humans to work in the same direction, right? Yes, yes. Humans, technology, everything. It's it's all part of this um, and the plant. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, as we wrap up this episode, um, you know, we're still making our way out of the pandemic. Our Cannabis Business Summit and Expo will be December 15th, 16th, and 17th at the Moscone Center in San Francisco. And NCIA has your health and safety as its utmost priority. We are doing everything we can, uh, requirements by the city, requirements by the conference center themselves, and CDC guidelines. And we're being really thoughtful about gathering people in, in, in a space together because there's a lot of value of seeing each other, talking to each other, running into each other, having these in-person, face-to-face connections, in addition to all the online stuff that we've been doing for the last year and a half. So I, I really look forward to being there. Um, I know it's been a long year and a half or two or so, um, but definitely make plans to join us at the Cannabis Business Summit and Expo December 15th, 16th, and 17th. 
The website is cannabisbusinesssummit.com. And we will have all the safety precautions, hand sanitizer, (laughs) of course, encouraging social distancing, fist bumps, toe taps, all that. So looking forward to seeing NCIA members and beyond at the show. Hopefully you as well, David. Yes. And <laughs> perfect. Well, thanks again for being on the show with me today. And where can people find out more about you and your work? Yeah, so you can go to gmpcollective.com to learn more about me and my team. And um, you know, as far as a lot of the standards work, we talked about astmcannabis.org. Um, ASTM developed that website for us, our D37, vol- again, volunteer committee, and uh, a lot of great resources there about the uh, you know, information and you know, certification and training programs they have. So check it out. Perfect. Thanks again, David. And thanks to our audience for tuning into another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. Until next time. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.